Welcome to the Autism Empowerment Podcast, your source for acceptance, enrichment, inspiration, and empowerment in autistic and autism communities worldwide. Wherever you identify in your autism or autistic journey, Autism Empowerment is here to meet you along the way. We are an autistic-led podcast, 501c3 nonprofit charity, and publisher of Spectrum Life magazine. Today's episode is an introduction to Spectrum Life magazine, a print and online publication written by and for autistic, autism, and disabilities communities. Join John and Karen Krejci, Autism Empowerment co-founders, to learn about the magazine's past and present. We'll even tell you how to get a free copy of our current issue. And we're on! Hey, John. How are you doing? Fantastic. How are you doing, Karen? It is a great afternoon. I'm looking forward to doing our second podcast with you. I'm so jazzed as well. Yeah. So let's get going. We'd like to go ahead and say welcome and hello to our audience. My name is Karen Krejci, and I am the Executive Director of Autism Empowerment. I am also your host for this podcast. I'm here today with my husband, John, who is our Programs Director and other co-founder. If you listened to episode one, we gave an overview of Autism Empowerment, the organization, as well as our plans for the Autism Empowerment podcast. Today, we are going straight into episode two. Our format is again going to be a casual question and answer back and forth, where we share information about our nonprofit publication, Spectrum Life magazine. John, once again, will be taking on the duties of asking questions and helping to keep us on track. I'm happy to keep the train on the tracks today. So let's get going. So there might be a lot of people out there that aren't familiar with Spectrum Life magazine. Karen, what is Spectrum Life magazine? Okay, John. So just in a nutshell, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this later. Spectrum Life magazine is a nonprofit publication that is a program of autism empowerment. And it's something that we write and edit, design, produce, and distribute and it is created by the autistic and autism community for the autistic and autism community. So is the magazine a local, regional, or national magazine? I'll answer that question a couple different ways. So we as an organization are based in Vancouver, Washington. The magazine itself is a print and an online format. The print copies get distributed in the Southwest Washington and Portland metro area, and also in Salem. We also have some other distribution points around Washington and Oregon, and then we have subscriptions around the nation. So from a distribution standpoint, we're more of a regional magazine, but from a content standpoint, which is probably what our listeners are interested in, the articles that are within the magazine are applicable to audiences who live throughout the country. In fact, in a lot of cases throughout the world. We do have two or three articles in each issue that might be geared towards people that are in the Southwest Washington, Portland metro area. For example, we might interview an occupational therapist or we might interview a disability services provider that specializes in that region. But those are usually only two or three articles within the magazine. Most of the magazine is general interest type of content. Thank you. So how often is it published? We do our best to publish quarterly. In the last year, things were a little bit different because of COVID-19. But generally speaking, we do a spring, summer, fall, and winter issue. And then we also take each individual article within the magazine and put that into a blog format on our website at spectrumlife.org. Very nice. How much does it cost people? 
The magazine is free, both in print version and online. If you do not live in the Southwest Washington, Portland metro area and don't have an opportunity to pick one up, then we do offer a subscription option, which costs $20 a year. And that essentially is just to cover the mailing, the shipping and handling for those four issues. How did Autism Empowerment become the publisher of Spectrum Life magazine? That's a good question. The story starts back in 2012 when I was asked to serve on the editorial advisory board of a new autism publication for our community. There wasn't anything of its kind in our region, in fact, even in the Pacific Northwest. Courtney Freetag came to me and said that she would like to have an autistic perspective on the editorial advisory board for this magazine that she wanted to produce. And that was called Spectrums. And that magazine came out from 2013 to 2015, and it was very well received. Unfortunately, at the end of 2015, Courtney realized that she was unable to keep the publication going because her family was planning a move. So she came to us at Autism Empowerment to ask if we would be interested in acquiring the publication. We had never acquired a business before, either through our personal business experience or through the nonprofit. So it was one of those situations where we needed to make sure that legally we could acquire all of the content and that she would be protected and we would be protected and that we could ultimately put out something awesome for the community. It was interesting because it was going from a for-profit publication located in Oregon to a nonprofit organization in Washington. So the magazine itself was free even back then, but the magazine paid for itself strictly through advertising revenue. As you said, it was a for-profit. And we knew that wasn't going to be our model. So we had to check in and make sure that we would be able to do this and sustain this and afford this. I knew our board was really on, on board with that as well. Autism Empowerment has an incredibly supportive board. Everybody on our board is either on the autism spectrum themselves or has autistic family members. And so they're really engaged in making sure that the types of programs that we take on really serve our mission and vision and values. So none of us had magazine experience, but we did have a combination of editing and writing and what you weren't a graphic designer i was not a graphic designer <laughs> i am still not a, a graphic, graphic designer, designer. I, I write i edit i do my best to put together a suite of content that people are going to get value from but no it was definitely a learning curve experience and something that has been incredibly enjoyable to do but at the same time, very challenging. We acquired the rights to the publication in early 2016. And the first issue under Autism Empowerment was the summer issue of 2016. And that was really special. We figured, you know, if we're going to take on this publication, we want there to be an Autism Empowerment message on the cover. And I really love that as well. Yeah, of course you did. Because we had our youngest son on the cover with his dad. That would be John. That'd be me. <laughs> and he was wearing his Ambassador for Acceptance of All Abilities t-shirt. What a great message. And it was a great message. And so that was a lot of fun to put together. So why did Autism Empowerment take over the publication? It's a really good question because we did not want to let anybody in the community who is enjoying the publication down. So we wanted to keep the continuity there. But at the same time, we recognized that the magazine would be a wonderful vehicle to be able to share our vision and values and to be able to promote autism acceptance, 
to be able to promote autism enrichment, to be able to shine a light on the great things that people in our community were doing, and to be able to help empower people to live their best life possible. So it tied in with the values of our organization. And we knew that we had a lot of great connections in the community and we enjoy storytelling. And we thought this would be a really great chance for us to amplify the message of autism acceptance while still educating people and helping them through their pain points and their struggles and their challenges and letting them know we get it. Here is something that you can look at, a beautiful publication that you can read, take enjoyment from, but more importantly, there's a community behind it. One thing that we often hear, especially with people that are new to the journey, but actually throughout the lifespan as well, is that a lot of times people, whether they identify as autistic or whether they're the parent of a child or an adult on the spectrum, there's times when you feel isolated and alone. And we get that. We felt that before. Absolutely, we get that. And we don't want people to feel that way. We want them to know that things are going to get better, that they are going to be able to move forward. We may experience adversity, we may have challenge, but we will get through this and there will be something that's brighter and better on the other end. So our organization is a lot about content plus community equals connection. We want to bring hope to people. We want them to be able to discover services and providers and different things that they didn't know about. And we want people to connect to something higher than themselves. It's really easy when you're feeling lonely in your journey, whether that be an autism journey or just your life journey, to not be able to step outside of yourself. So the magazine helps people to do that by getting them into community. Community is so important. And having this magazine out in the community is important. How many issues have been published? Overall, there have been 27 issues published. 11 were published between 2013 and 2015, and we have all of those back issues on our site. And then under the Autism Empowerment Umbrella, there have been 16 issues published. Six were published under the name Spectrum's Magazine, and then we transitioned, and 10 issues were published as Spectrum Life Magazine. So what you're saying is that There's been two different names, Spectrum's Magazine and Spectrum Life Magazine underneath Autism Empowerment. So why did we make that decision to change the name from Spectrum's Magazine to Spectrum Life Magazine? That's a great question, John. In the beginning, we wanted to keep the Spectrum's name because we wanted people that were within the community to know that it was the same publication. It was coming in from another umbrella, but it was still the same type of magazine that they were expecting to receive quarterly. So we kept the name for a while, but as we kept the name, we started to see that there was a little bit of brand confusion. There had been a magazine at the same time called Spectrum Magazine. It wasn't in our region, but it was a magazine that was published by the Adventist Church. So if we're looking online for the magazine, people would sometimes happen upon that instead of ours. There was also an online publication that was called Spectrum News that is often just Spectrum, and there was confusion with that as well. They specialize in autism research. So when we were thinking about changing the name, we wanted to have a better representation of the people that we are serving. And since autism is lifelong and we serve throughout the lifespan, Spectrum Life magazine seemed to have a better flow to it. And we also realized that it would do great to tie in with a website where we could then include other types of content for people to support them throughout their whole life. I could see where there had been a lot of confusion with all of that. 
So that makes a lot of sense. So I want to pivot a little bit right now and go deeper into the, actually the magazine because I think our listeners would really enjoy hearing more about what's inside the magazine. So the first question is, how is the magazine organized? So the magazine is organized into feature sections. You open up the cover, there's a table of contents, and in that table of contents, you'll see an advocacy section, lifespan, recreation, education, health and wellness, and therapy. So why did you choose those sections or those categories? So when Autism Empowerment took over the publication, five of those sections were already in place. The lifespan, recreation, education, health and wellness, and therapy were already part of the publication. And having those types of featured sections gives a structure to the magazine and an easy way for people to find what they're looking for in our table of contents, because each of those feature sections are also color-coded. So it allows for transition between sections, and in between those sections, we have ads, we have photography and artwork, and it makes for a really nice, beautiful flow. And advocacy was added later. Why did we add that? The advocacy section was added because it's an essential part of our work, and it's also important to our community partners. We wanted to make sure to have a place where people could see articles about self-advocacy, parent advocacy, and even issue and policy advocacy. As an example, the Cooney Foundation contributed an article about escalating insecurity in the housing community for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So it's a really good portion of the magazine, and it can share an issue or issues that are really important, not just to individual people, but to our community as a whole. Well, that makes sense. You're like empowering people through advocacy, in, in essence. Well, that's part of it. We also want people to be aware of issues that affect our community on a broader basis and to encourage them to potentially get involved. Together as a community, we grow stronger when more of us participate. And for those who are interested in that, this section often will help people find that way. Absolutely. We're also very fortunate to have a variety of experts writing for the magazine within the different sections. Can you tell our audience a little bit about who some of our regular columnists are? In our education section, we have Erin Blackwelder, who is a high school teacher and also a Teacher of the Year nominee, and he's just a great guy. We have Diane Wiscarson from Wiscarson Law, who specializes in special education law. We have Ryan Lockard, who is the owner and founder of Specialty Athletic Training, which is a health and wellness fitness training company for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And we also have Judy Endow, who is an autistic adult who has a wide range of experience. She's in her 60s. And she's been writing for years, and she just has this really great way of being able to explain the sensory system, to be able to explain the hidden curriculum, to be able to explain a lot of topics to people to help them better understand themselves and their children from that autistic lens, that sensory lens. And then, John, we also have you as a regular columnist. You are our feature interview columnist. And you tend to interview different providers within our community, either in the therapy section or someone who is providing some sort of service to people within our community. You right. do a great job with that. Well, thanks. I think it's important for people locally to know who is out there in our community providing services for our community as well. Yeah. So when you say locally, you're talking about... Lo Southwest Washington, Portland Metro. And you do Aspectum Life and also from the publisher, correct? 
Yes. So there's a column in each issue called Ask Spectrum Life. That is where I answer frequently asked questions that come into us that I feel would be relevant to a broader audience. And then also in each issue, there's a From the Publisher column, which is essentially an introduction to the magazine's issue. And I share some of the highlights of the publication. And it's just an intro from the publisher. So out there in the magazine, there's different sections. What other things can people expect to find on a recurring basis? So I mentioned the From the Publisher. That's in the beginning of the magazine. And I actually mentioned Ask Spectrum Life. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. We also do an ongoing series called Stories from the Spectrum, Autism from an Autistic Perspective. So each issue, we feature one autistic writer, and they talk about whatever it is that they would like to share. So another thing that we have in the magazine is our Spectrum Life Resource Directory page. And this is really important because a lot of times when people are coming to the magazine, they're looking for help or specific support for themselves or their family members in a particular circumstance. And on our spectrumlife.org website, we have a directory of over 1,200 providers in a wide range of different categories where they can search by geographical region. It can be throughout the country, although most of the resources are in that Washington, Oregon, Pacific Northwest area. But they can search for a provider that could help them with their situation. So we have that as well. And then in each issue, we also have an upcoming events page, which in the last year has not been so applicable so we're now including upcoming events and podcasts and that kind of thing. So. That was due to COVID-19 and a lot of the stuff having to be canceled or, or rescheduled. So totally understand that. Besides the stories from the spectrum, do you have any other autistic writers writing for the magazine? Yeah, we do. We've had a number of them over the years. Now, I will say that the magazine itself is 48 pages. So we usually only have room for about 13 to 15 articles in each issue. And so we do have those dedicated sections and columnists. But we feel it's very important to have an authentic autistic voice throughout the magazine. I'm autistic. Judy Endow's autistic. We usually have one or two additional writers within each issue who identify as on the autism spectrum. Either that or we're featuring someone who's on the spectrum in one of our interviews. So it's incredibly essential to us that people that are looking through the magazine can see people that are like them or similar to them or their children or so forth. So yeah, that is an essential part of how we determine the content. So that's interesting because there is a very limited space in the magazine. How do you determine what kinds of articles get published? It's a tricky balancing act. We do have those featured sections which help provide us with some structure. And then we try to put two or three articles in each section. Our primary readers of the magazine are two different categories. The first category would be parents of children and adults on the spectrum. And the second category would be autistic adults and, to some degree, autistic youth. The secondary reader tiers are professional providers, and that might include educators. It might include therapists. It might be nonprofit foundations or agency partners that serve the community. So we want to make sure that everybody who's looking through the magazine, especially our primary tier, can find at least two or three pieces in there that are relevant to them. We recognize that not everything is going to be relevant to every person, and that's okay. And that's also why we keep an archive of all of our previous articles on our website and all the past issues on the website so that people can go on the site and search directly for a particular category or a keyword and find additional content that might be in their interest area. So can just anybody write for the magazine? No. (laughs) (laughs) we Okay, we're a small nonprofit. We're a grassroots, passionate 
We're very passionate. Yeah, we're very passionate. But the thing is, there's, again, as I said, there's only a limited number of articles. Right. And honestly, as much as we would love to be able to publish everybody's work, there just isn't room in the magazine. That makes a lot of sense. So we have to be really careful with what we choose and make sure that a lot of the work that we put in there is somewhat evergreen so that it can appeal to audiences years from now. So we do have an editorial advisory board that helps guide the content of the magazine. And we tend to try to put out an editorial calendar a year in advance. So at least two thirds of each magazine would be determined in advance. And then the remaining third would be perhaps more timely types of things that just come up in general, obviously the COVID or something of extreme importance might come up. And then usually our stories from the spectrum feature and our ask spectrum life feature, those things are relevant to the times. Well, that makes, uh And then a lot of times we may just meet someone or come up (laughs) with somebody that's like, oh, you need to be involved in the magazine somehow. So we'll incorporate them in. But we do have a lot of people that submit content and a lot of great stuff and it's unsolicited and they mean well, but we can't publish it. We can't (laughs) publish it. So we're working on editorial guidelines for submissions So people do send us work unsolicited and sometimes people will pitch things to us. And as much as we appreciate that and we want to be able to share great stories, we just don't have the room for it. So actually the podcast is going to be a potential venue for some of those extra topics that don't fit into the quarterly publication. And then also what we would like to do is to be able to either expand the magazine in size or to be able to include articles on our spectrumlife.org website in the blog section so that we're publishing content more frequently. The thing is that right now we just don't have the bandwidth and the time and the space to do so, but it's something we want to do. So we're hearing you. We appreciate you sending things in, but please don't get hurt or offended in any sort of way if we're not able to publish your work. Well, that makes sense as well. So Over the last couple of years, that's a lot of content still. Do you have anything that really pops out in your mind or that's memorable to you? Oh, my goodness, yeah. It's tough because every time we publish an issue, I'm like, wow, this is my favorite issue. (laughs) (laughs) I I get that. And then we get to the next one. Oh, this is my favorite issue. This is really awesome. Some of the content that I've really enjoyed the most over the years is actually poetry that has been submitted. And especially poetry that's been submitted by some of our youth writers. And there's a poem called Autism Is My Address by Imani Chapin that was absolutely beautiful. And her younger sister, Asia, wrote a poem called My Life when she was only eight years old. And that was incredible. And then Matteo Musso, he wrote a poem called The Inside of Me. And And there was one that said autism does not define me as well. (laughs) Okay, that's my poem. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, okay, that's my poem. So I do agree that poetry has been my favorites as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and and honestly, that's not like a big part of the magazine, but I would say in at least every other issue, there's a poem. I know there's one in the last one. And then as far as other memorable interviews, looking the other way, we do try to cover a lot of weighty and tough topics. So one of the ones that I remember the most was when the Me Too movement was big, hashtag Me Too. And we did an article called us two, which was essentially women and men on the autism spectrum who had also experienced sexual assault or harassment. And that was really raw and it was really difficult, but it was important to be able to get out there because this does happen in our community and it isn't something for us to be ashamed of. It's something for us to be able to learn from one another and grow from. 
And so we cover those types of topics as well as and some fun ones as well. Well, yeah, I know my youngest son really loved one by Ryan Lockhart called Juice <laughs> <laughs> or the evils of juice, I should say. OK, Ryan, if you're listening, <laughs> we're still trying to get our son to drink water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the magazine, I know, is very important, the, the physical look of it, because Although there's wonderful, great content, all of the weighty topics and the fun topics out there, the physical look of the magazine has been critical for us as well. I remember when we talked with Courtney, it was really important to have a a good quality magazine. Absolutely. Even though we were new to magazine publishing, we didn't want our readers to think that. We wanted them to have a beautiful experience where they could take a publication that has lovely imagery, great graphic design, beautiful photographs, and excellent content that provides interest and something of meaning. So the visual look was important. And since Courtney came from that graphic design background, one of the big points of the acquisition was that she stay on to help us with the graphic design for the first few issues. And then, of course, she wanted us to leave the nest and to fly. Because this was her baby. (laughs) It was her baby. And we wanted to honor it. And we wanted to respect it. And we wanted to respect the people who are the readers in the community. And then as we became more confident in publishing, it became a little bit more of our own because of the unique brand that we have. And part of that's the memorable covers that we've had as well. Yeah. The thing is that the cover is going to be the first impression. If somebody is actually going to pick up the magazine, they want to be attracted to it in some way. So covers are important. And Courtney had done a really good job of putting those together. She's a graphic designer and we're not. And so part of that acquisition process was her working with us to get a feel for the layout and design process. And she worked with us on the covers and on the layout and design for those first few issues. I think it was the first three issues, I think. Yeah. And then since spring of 2017, Dave Bourne has been our amazing graphic designer. And he is a lot of... He's a lot of fun to work with, and he just has an amazing creative process. And so it's really great to be able to go back and forth with him. People don't really realize how few people are behind the scenes of Spectrum Life magazine to make it go. And so we have this real good symbiotic relationship. Everybody who works in that behind-the-scenes process works very well together. So what are some of your most memorable covers that we've had so far? Oh, boy. Okay. So I think one of my favorite covers was back in winter 2018. I had the opportunity to interview Carol Frankiewicz. She had just been crowned Miss Native American USA, and it was a great experience. She was the first autistic Native American USA that there had ever been, and she was using autism acceptance and autism awareness as her personal platform. We wanted to give her an opportunity to shine, and it's just a beautiful cover. So that was memorable, and we got lots of great feedback. So one of my other favorite covers was Rojo the Llama. That was winter 2019. We don't normally have an animal on our cover. No, we don't. In fact, I think that was the only time we've ever had just an animal on our cover. Yes. And that that was really special. It was. We had other animals before, but they were with people. And what made this so special was that Rojo is a therapy llama, or actually he was. He unfortunately passed away. And we had worked with Mountain Peaks Therapy Llamas and Alpacas. They have done such wonderful work throughout our community, bringing joy to youth, to seniors, to so many different people with their therapy llamas and alpacas. And we wanted to have a tribute to Rojo. Our Autism Serves Kids Care club was actually out on the farm a few days right before Rojo passed 
And so it was really emotional for me because it was an animal that had a lot of meaning to our organization. Our two organizations have worked closely together over the years. And Rojo has been part of the autism empowerment family, I would say. Absolutely. Yes, that's so true. Rojo has been out to a number of our events, Rojo and Smokey and Napoleon and the Alpaca. They've come to our picnics. They've come to our sensory events. And they would pose in different outfits and they would just provide carrot kisses and love. So, yeah, that was a really neat tribute and it was a memorable cover. There have been a lot of awesome covers over the years, although I do have to say I have a lot of affection towards the ones that were photo shoots that included families that we were close with. I think my favorite cover of all times was still our first in summer of 2016, again with our youngest son, Ryan, in his autism acceptance of all abilities shirt, really promoting autism acceptance and being out there and trying to be an ambassador for all abilities. Yeah. How can you not love that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, okay. Full disclosure, proud parent moment, proud, right? Yeah, absolutely. Proud parent Proud moment. parent <laughs> moment. Absolutely. One of the funny things is the Easter eggs inside the magazine, something that our graphic designer, Dave Bourne, does. Yeah, he has a really good sense of humor. About three years ago, we have- Unbeknownst to us. Unbeknownst to us. So at the end of each article, there's usually a bio and a picture section to feature the writer. And since John does a lot of our feature interviews, his picture shows up in each issue usually one or two times. So at one point, Dave decided to put a hat on John. (laughs) Again, unbeknownst to us. (laughs) And of course, I have a great sense of humor. So I thought, oh, yeah, let's run with this. (laughs) And I wasn't really sure what you thought at first. Questions still out. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's something that we've, yeah, it's. Now it's kind of like a running joke. It's a running joke. We never know what to expect. And it's a fun thing. And people are like, why does this guy have these weird hats on him? We get people that say, what hat is he going to have on next? Exactly. So it exactly. is actually. So when you're out there, pick up the, the a copy and just be prepared for a new hat. Yeah. John is the mad hatter. No, it, it's good because it brings people together. They can all revel in the joy and laughter of what hat you're going to wear. Right. And we always <laughs> are looking for feedback because feedback is important to us. Mm-hmm. In fact, why don't you talk to our listeners about that a little bit? It's important to us that the magazine is well-received. Sometimes it seems like we operate in a vacuum. The magazine goes out, it's online, it's distributed in person, but we're not sure how it's being received by people. So in each issue, we do have a survey that people can take to be able to share their feedback on what their favorite articles were, what they liked, what they didn't. And that gives us an idea if we're on the right track in terms of certain types of content. We also look for participation on social media. We really encourage and invite people to become part of the community. We have a Facebook page for the magazine. We have a Twitter page. And to be able to share what you like, what you don't like, and to be able to let us know if a particular article meant something to you. We love to hear from our community. In fact, about a year ago, we received a question in an email from one of our readers who liked the magazine so much but want to get more information and asked, is there anything else out there? Are there any other autism or disability magazines out there? Mm-hmm. Can you um, talk to us about that a little bit, Karen? Oh, yeah, sure. And that's the kind of thing that we actually hear quite a bit. People like the magazine, but they're also craving more. And I can relate to that personally because When my children were first diagnosed and when I was first diagnosed, I was trying to consume as much content out there as possible. But at the same time, I was also trying to curate it so it wasn't just all white noise, that there was actually 
meaningful, relevant stuff. So our goal is to be able to share useful content that's interesting and will be relatable to our audience. And we recognize that Spectrum Life magazine is a pretty awesome publication, but it only comes out quarterly and there's only a certain number of articles. So it's important for us to also shine a light on the good work that others are doing. Over the years, I've noticed a number of different publications. Each one has its own style and its own audience. Some are geared towards the autism community. Some are geared towards a disability community. And some may be geared towards general audience. And there's some overlap. So what I will do here is I'll list a few of them, but we'll put them in the show notes along with links. And then that way people can get more information if they want to check them out because some of them are free and some of them cost money. And we want you to be able to check it out and see if it's something for you. So one of those publications is a new one. It's Autism in Adulthood. It's actually a professional journal. The cost of it varies. You can get some articles for free, but these are articles that are written in journal format. And then there are a couple magazines that are geared towards parents. One is Autism Parenting Magazine. There's one called Parenting Special Needs. There's one called Exceptional Parent Magazine. And then Autism Asperger Magazine has a little bit of both. But a lot of those are written from a parent perspective primarily. You'll see a lot of articles within those publications that are specifically geared towards an audience that is parenting children, sometimes parenting adults, it depends. And then there is also a magazine called Zoom, which is an online magazine. And although it's parent-led in terms of behind the scenes, really a lot of the contributing editors and the contributing writers that they'll have are autistic. So they're probably more closely aligned with the type of content that we produce, but they're online only. So that's a few of the ones out there. And if I come across any more, I will go ahead and put those in the show notes too. So what makes Spectrum Life magazine different from some of those other ones? I would say, first of all, we are geared towards the Southwest Washington, Portland metro area for our print distribution. So it's regional in that way. But as I mentioned before, most of the content actually does have national appeal. We are a nonprofit and we're a grassroots publication. We don't have a big staff. What makes us special is that we make sure that in addition to our current issue being available, we have all of our past issues available for free online as well. Then we'll usually save about 100 or so of each issue for people who might want to order a print copy of the publication later. We also feel that we're different because of the writers and the audience. We just really have this passionate approach. We're different because different autism is good sometimes. is different. Yeah. And it, it's not better or worse, we're just different. And so one of our philosophies, and this isn't necessarily something that I've seen with other publications, is that we want to amplify and elevate those that might be considered competitors. We personally don't consider them as competitors, but sometimes in the for-profit world, that kind of goes on. We actually wrote about this in the winter 2019 issue of Spectrum Life, and I'll link to that as well. So trying to keep the train still on the tracks, as I was instructed to do from the beginning. We're almost getting close to the end here, but I do have a few more questions for you. What are some of the future plans for Spectrum Life magazine? Now that we're doing the podcast, we have an exciting opportunity to tie articles that are in the magazine to extended shows. So you might be able to get 1,300 to 2,000 words in an article, but you can get a lot more on a podcast. Sure can. We will be interviewing a number of the people who have been interviewed for the magazine or written for the magazine. One other cool thing is that we can tie podcasts back into the magazine. So Very neat. We might have a really 
interesting guest on this show and they might then have an article in the magazine. We'll also be doing additional blog articles on the site in between issues as a strategy where we can in the future provide additional content to our listeners. Since the magazine itself is quarterly, there's a lot of time between issues where people are still seeking out information. And so we would love to be able to put some additional articles on our site. It's just depending upon time, funding, growth, those types of things. We've also talked about extending the length of the magazine. It's 48 pages currently. That is a price thing, but it's something we recognize that could be longer. There's a demand. It's just whether we're going to do that. With COVID-19, we've been thinking about how we can expand that magazine nationally. Well, that would make sense. So that it really gets more national appeal. Uh A couple of years ago, we were thinking, okay, we've got this regional-based magazine, even though a lot of the content is relevant nationwide. Maybe we should bring it into Seattle or maybe we should bring it into the San Jose area. Or maybe we should go to some other metro area. Why not take it completely national? It, it makes sense. And there are online publications that do that. But it's something we're exploring. We're interested in partnerships. A lot of the work that we do comes with a very small group of volunteers and staff. We're open and we're passionate and we really want to be able to serve the community. So if you have ideas, let us know. We also do want to have content in as accessible of a way as possible. So we're thinking of also doing some videos, some short videos on our YouTube channel. There's a whole bunch of things we want to do in relation to content. It's just a matter of funding and time. Wow face. That's what I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Wow face. Wow face. So we sure have covered a lot of topics in a really short period of time. How can people find the magazine? Well, if you're looking for a physical copy of the magazine and you live in the Portland metro or southwest Washington area, if you go to spectrumlife.org and click on our find a copy link, it will show the different places that we distribute to. I think there's usually on that list about four or five hundred. But this year, because of COVID-19, things are a little bit different A lot of places may or may not be open. So we're currently in the process of updating that. And it may change, though, as we go on from issue to issue. People may be listening to this at different times. But check that find a copy page if you're looking for that print issue. If you live outside of the area or even if you don't, but you would like one mailed to your home or your residence, we do have a subscription option that's $20 a year. The magazine is free, but it essentially covers the shipping and handling for that. So you would get four copies that would be mailed to you. A lot of people will do that for family members or friends. They may want somebody else to enjoy the magazine along with them so that they can talk about the same articles at the same time. Because you can send a gift subscription as well. Yeah, you can send gift subscriptions. You can donate subscriptions for people who might not be able to afford it. We never want someone to not be able to access the magazine. So if you really want a print copy and you can't due to COVID-19 or you don't have the internet, and you can't download it that way, you can request a free copy from us and we'll figure out a way to get one to you Uh if that's in the United States. If you're outside of the United States, we highly recommend trying to go through a download process, but we'll work with you on that because the important thing is that we serve our community. Absolutely. So Karen, I want to thank you so much for taking all of my questions today. I had a wonderful time and looking forward to our next episode. Do you have anything final to say? John, I really appreciate the opportunity to share Spectrum Life magazine with our listeners. And I recognize that not everything in this podcast might have been relevant to everyone, but we want you to check out the magazine. Our real call to action is for you to check it out. It's not going to cost you anything. And if it isn't for you, it might be for someone you care about or love. And 
And we invite you to check out spectrumlife.org for both the articles as well as the directory as well as the current issues. Another thing I want to share before we go is that it's important to subscribe to this podcast. We appreciate you hanging out with us and we thank you for your time. You've been listening to the Autism Empowerment Podcast. If you'd like to get connected with our community, as well as all of the great support and content we have planned for the future, please hit the subscribe button and visit show notes, transcripts, social media details, Spectrum Life magazine, and more. And if you like us, leave us a review. It allows the opportunity for more people to be able to find the podcast. Thank you once again.